Today on the show, we just finished hitting the weights at the WLF compound, and now it's time to hit that in-depth analysis of one of the most controversial characters of 2020. Oh yeah. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Lawrence. And I'm Leo. And we've got one hell of an episode <laughs> for people today. <laughs> oh my god. I don't know if this is going to be like highly controversial or like everyone's going to go, yeah, obviously. But either way, I'm excited to talk about this because this I think will be good to think about if you've played Last of Us Part 2. So... Basically, kind of following the release of Last of Us 2, there were just so many conversations comparing, of course, Ellie, our lead and our favorite, favorite character, with the complex sort of antagonist and occasional main character, Abby, Abby Anderson. And that makes sense. The game directly pits them against one another, but also encourages us and invites us to compare them. But I, I think, and the reason we're talking about this today, is there is a lot to be gained from comparing Abby to a different character, and one that may not initially seem intuitive. Tommy, right? T yep, Tommy. No, Jesse. Jesse. Yeah. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, actually, um, in today's episode, we're going to be letting y'all know how Abby is actually closer to everyone's favorite quarantine granddad, <laughs> Joel. Yep. <laughs> and uh, you actually brought up this idea, and I spent a decent amount of time thinking about it afterwards, and I was yeah. like, yeah, you know? Yeah. I was one of those people in the <laughs> beginning that was like, Abby... And Ellie, two sides of the same coin, but this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, you know, it is, to be very clear, it's a bold claim. It's not even, I, I was having conversations with friends and basically anybody who would bear to, you know, like, anybody who would put up with talking to me after I beat Last of Us 2. I talked to everybody about this game, and a couple of people mentioned this, and it really blew my mind. Um, so whether or not you disagree, you know, agree or disagree with our claim that Abby and her journey are more similar to Joel than, than Ellie, whether or not you agree or disagree, I'd say keep an open mind, listen on. <laughs> and our goal today, in, in addition to kind of shedding some praise on this wonderful game, is to kind of use some in-world lore and some examples from the game to, to talk about it. And maybe at the end of this, you will come out of it with maybe a deeper appreciation for who Abby is, but also, in my opinion, I think the writing that Naughty Dog put into the game, because it really is, it's a deep, drawing this comparison draws up some very deep elements of these characters. Yeah, I'm also hoping that Neil Druckmann sees this and gives us <laughs> the, uh, you know, like the head nod of like, you guys got it. Y'all figured it out. So let's, let's start talking about it. Now, to have this conversation, we're going to have to start by 
going over some recap, some some sort of summarizing of Abby's story, and we can kind of treat this linearly, which is not exactly how we learn about her life, but we'll we'll treat it linearly. And then we'll kind of refresh on some backstory for Joel. And then we'll talk a little bit about their similarities. So to start off, Lawrence, what do we know about Abby's younger years? Well, Leo. Yeah. Well, not much is known about her like young, young years. Like the earliest period that we're introduced to Abby is later on in the game. Yeah. She is a young member of the Fireflies. Mm-hmm. But I think more importantly at the time, Abby is the daughter of Jerry Anderson. What a name. Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> Why'd you do that, Jerry? <laughs> but but Abby is um Abby is the daughter of Jerry Anderson, mm-hmm. who you might better know as the guy that Joel killed at the end of the first game Ooh, so he could yeah. save Ellie from the hospital right. and possibly, you know, doomed humanity to continue <laughs> to to suffer the CBI infection. But <laughs> She is daughter of, you know, this head surgeon for the Fireflies, a Firefly recruit herself, arguably pretty close to Marlene because of, of you know, her dad and everything. Right, right. So Joel comes in, you know, they find Ellie. Everything is, is going good. Abby actually, when they're, when she overhears this conversation with Marlene and uh, Jerry about having to kill Ellie to be able to reverse engineer this potential vaccine from from her brain. Right. And uh, Marlene poses the question to him, like, hey, what if that was your daughter? But right, right. then they're interrupted before he can actually answer that. And there's a part in the game where she's just like, you know, hey, if, if it was me, I would want you to make that choice. Mm. <laughs> right. I don't know if like I would want to do that is exactly Ellie giving consent. So we'll, we'll, <laughs> it's, it's questionable, but this is, I'll just take a moment to say, this is the first time as we're talking about this, that the game again invites us to say, compare, please compare <laughs> Ellie and Abby. And you know, it's, it is true. They have some things in common. As you pointed out, we don't know much about her younger years, but we do know that she was likely born post cbi right so right she probably does have sort of a similar experience to ellie in a lot of ways and so like maybe there's some you know maybe there's some value to her saying hey i'm willing to give everything i have in order to potentially save humanity with this kind of reverse engineered surgery process and i mean also she's a firefly and that's her dad so like she's she's down for the cause you know that's true yeah exactly yeah it's a good point (laughs) so you know joel joel rolls through to save ellie and like slaughters the lot like he totally decimates the fireflies Mm -hmm. unnecessarily kills abby's dad so you know not long after those events um you know now with her dad dead marlene dead the fireflies broken apart and gone their separate ways um her abby and her friends they go and they join uh the wlf in order to survive and you know they they take them in and they start this military training and this this marks for abby and her friends her you know firefly friends the beginning of a new stage in life right like this is the next phase they are in theory post fireflies but abby and we see this before the start of Last of Us 2, 
Abby talks to her, or uh, at the time, I guess at the time, no, 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 at the time, ex-lover. So the, she and Owen were together, they are no longer together, and she tells him, you know, I can't let go of what Joel did. And at, at that moment, you really kind of get this sense that Abby is struggling with this idea of kind of survival, you know, at what cost, or for, you know, what are you leaving behind, and can you even leave it behind? And she is in so many ways stuck in that moment of being powerless to save her dad at this kind of moment of senseless violence. Her father being her, her father, which who, again, to your point, she's part of the cause. She's part of the fireflies. Her dad is going to save humanity. And he's murdered by this sociopath who may or may not have killed 14% of humanity across Last of Us 1. <laughs> so, you know, she's fixated on that. And to an extent, so are all of her friends. So are all of her Firefly friends, with maybe the exception of Owen. I'm pretty sure Owen has also experienced like similar loss, and I think he's just kind of moved on, and he understands that like that is an unfortunate part of this new world that they live in. Right. And so years later, Abby is like, you know, now we're closer to the events of Last of Us Two. Mm-hmm. Abby now is super strong from all of her training Ugh, goals. Like she, you know, she really, her whole singular driving force is, is this revenge. And yeah. she like trains herself physically yeah. to, to be able to, to meet the, the challenge. So, um, you know, she is now at the point where she can, um, enact her vengeance. They've got a good lead. Her and her friends travel across country to Jackson. And as, Fate would have it. Right. <laughs> Joel and Tommy not only came to Abby, they right. helped Abby and took her back to her friends. Saved her life. Oh, the trusting, naive fools that they have become in their comfort, you know. I mean, Joel has a whole ass house and he yeah. whittles for fun now. So like he oh, is definitely very well more calm. too. <laughs> Yeah, like he's playing guitar, he's whittling stuff, he's trading for coffee. So like he is like, I mean, he's also old. He's like a softer old man. He's like letting go. He's relaxing. Still so deadly, but so soft. (laughs) And so Abby catches up with Joel. She gets her revenge. She gets her revenge in front of Ellie, um, which, you know, because of Owen, they don't really like kill anyone else they just do what they came to do because you know not to get too in depth owen is is pretty much like hey maybe she'll move on after this like she's been chasing this forever so it's like let's not drag this out and like get other people caught in the crossfire well that starts all the events of last of us (laughs) 2 and you know this back and forth friend killing like revenge quest you know begins and Eventually, in all of the madness, Abby encounters Lev and uh, Yara. And this this is, by the way, as the game, and of course, everybody knows this, but this is as the game progresses and as Abby returns to Seattle and, you know, is being hunted by by Ellie and Tommy. uh, Right. She encounters Lev and Yara. They are two Seraphites, which are the mortal enemies of the WLF. Right. After, uh, you know, helping them escape from these other Seraphites that were pursuing them, Abby actually goes back, visits Owen. Owen and Abby 
have this uh, fight with one another, and <laughs> that eventually ends up with them making love. Yep. Go figure. Um, and and actually, you know, not to to go back too far, but the fight is kind of interesting that they have because Owen says to Abby because Abby is. Some backstory there. Abby is pursuing Owen because Owen left the WLF because he accidentally killed somebody and she's trying to bring him back. Right. And he makes a remark about, you know, are you going to help me find the people that killed my parents? Like as kind of a jab at her relentless pursuit of Joel and all the things that it's cost her in in the aftermath. So eventually, you know, they get under each other's skin somehow and end up making love. And Abby just kind of has this like weird nightmarish thing about um, Lev and Yara and she goes back and she helps them. Right. So eventually they go to the, the Seraphite Island and then while trying to escape, uh, Yara is killed. Right. And Lev and Abby kind of form this bond where Abby sees Lev as like a younger brother. Sure. Kind of surrogate family. Right. So they're two rogues from their organization that are now working together. Nothing like... A road trip to California for two rogues, uh, which, of course, goes somewhat badly as they're captured by slavers. Uh, but, you know, rescued by a murderous young woman named Ellie and then nearly killed. But, of course, at the conclusion of their epic battle, which is <laughs> so painful to, to play, uh, we we see the end effectively of the cycle of violence as Abby sails away with Lev to find peace elsewhere and, and maybe pursue the lead for the fireflies as they look to uh, maybe find their way to humanity's salvation. Uh, and, and thus concludes what we see so far of Abby's backstory or story. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here, but stick around. We'll be right back. Now, moving on to talk a little bit very briefly about Joel. Of course, we all know uh, uh, Joel's story, and we covered Joel's life and story in our episode uh, titled Joel's Bloody Resume, which if you haven't heard, <laughs> check it out because it's a little bit wild. It's kind of an in-depth analysis of, of who Joel is. Um, but for the sake of this episode, I'll say this. Joel was born and lived basically a full life before the infection broke loose. He uh, was attempting to escape the chaos, and of course, in one of the most heart-wrenching cutscenes I've ever seen ever in a game, he loses his daughter Sarah, uh, who is killed by a soldier who's been kind of instructed to secure the perimeter of a forming quarantine zone. This also is the moment that his watch breaks, this gift that she gave him on his birthday. Uh, happy birthday, Joel. And uh, this kind of cements for him, metaphorically and in this case, somewhat literally, the time and the moment of her death, and in a lot of ways kind of puts a pin in his psyche that will never really come out. You know, this moment yeah. for him where what is life but fighting to the death for who you have in your kind of party? And, and thus leads into he and Tommy together, and we only get hints about this, but they fall in with hunters. You know, they uh, set traps and murder innocent people for their piles of shoes, their sweet, sweet piles of shoes. And 
you know, eventually falls into the noble trade of smuggling. <laughs> smuggling uh, weapons, and I'm sure food, and probably drugs, and booze, and who knows, in and out of a uh, quarantine zone. So, again, this is this period, broken watch period, where he has, like, no regard for basically any sense of ethics or morality. It's really just... What does it take to get him and Tommy to the next day? Like, what does it take to just survive to that next day, you know? You know, eventually he gets a smuggling task that will change his entire life. <laughs> Coming this summer, the smuggling task that changes a young man's life. Yeah, it's, it's Ellie. Hey, Ellie. Ellie's changing lives left and right. Uh, yeah, he's given the task of bringing Ellie this bratty, annoying teenager, to uh, the Fireflies. And of course, the trip goes effortlessly. Nothing goes wrong. It's a 40-minute video game with no real drama. Yeah. So yeah, that it, it couldn't go worse. I... <laughs> <laughs> could, more things could not have gone wrong. That's true. You know, you're, you're thinking like, oh yeah, you know, this guy had a daughter. He's, he's a family man. No. It's, it's absolutely horrible until a certain point when they really have to, when Joel really has to lean on Ellie and Ellie really has to step up and, and take that kind of like protector and provider role because Joel is, you know, incapacitated for a portion of the game. Right. Uh, and so then those two become pretty close. Like he views her as, um, you know, like this is his new daughter. Yeah. I mean, again, surrogate family, not to like start comparing things too quickly, but he really does end up seeing Ellie as a daughter and more perhaps importantly, psychologically, someone who is worth protecting. So it's no longer, I'm going to kill anybody. I, I have to, to get to tomorrow. It's I'm going to do whatever it takes to protect this person and protect her future and this, the beauty of this person uh, and, and, and who she is. But let's not rule out killing everybody to protect. <laughs> I mean, still <laughs> killing everybody, like pull the trigger, yeah. Joel. <laughs> You know, this event, this dismantling of the fireflies that happened, you know, when Abby was a kid, was it was Joel doing that in protection of Ellie. Yeah. Of course, following the effective dismantling of the fireflies, Ellie asks, you know, hey, what happened? And Joel lies to her. Yeah. And I mean, her like, you know, he's trying to duck the question because um, Ellie starts talking about the people in her past that have died. And he says to her, you know, like, he taps his watch and is like, for the longest time, I struggled with surviving. Right. And he's like, the thing is, you just got to keep, you got to find something to, like, that's worth holding on to. Right. And, uh, I mean, you know, we'll get into our comparisons in a second here, but that's actually very important. Yeah. So let's talk about comparing them a little bit. Let's, let's, start to, well, let's start this conversation. When we talk about Joel and Abby, we should take a moment to reflect on kind of what they're living for, right? So what does Joel live for, right? Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> that's, that's a one-word <laughs> answer, and it's true. Moving on to Abby. No. <laughs> I think Joel lives for Ellie. I mean, that's like his whole world 
Yeah, I mean, he lives for Ellie. He lives for coffee. He lives for violence. But I'll say uh, top tier, he lives for Ellie towards the end of his life after meeting her. Right. We literally watch him, to your point. We literally watch him across Last of Us 1 doing the job for guns. It's just guns. What's the payment? Guns. We want our guns back. So job for guns. Eventually, guns aren't even part of the picture anymore. And yet this guy's still traveling with Ellie you know, delivering on this promise because she is Ellie, right? Meeting her allows him to kind of pivot from this blind violence to get to tomorrow to a much more meaningful kind of vision of of what life is and what it can be with her well-being at the center and also with her companionship, which of course then kind of justifies his blind, violent rage when he finds out that they're about to take her brain out. (laughs) Which is so messed up. Um, but, you know, um, when it comes, you know, when it comes to Abby, although, like, you know, she had her friends right. after the death of her father and after, like, the fireflies broke up and were basically just wiped out, she still had that that obsession over finding and executing Joel. Like, right. to her, yeah. Joel took everything that she ever loved joel also ruined humanity's chances so like to her you you know like like to her it was definite it was like you you look at your parents and you're like they can do no wrong her was like my dad's definitely gonna make this miracle drug on the first try like finger roll three-pointer no previous (laughs) tries no previous yeah it's and a, it only costs one kid. That's a sacrifice we're all willing to make because it's not us. Right. But like for for her, it's it like even though her friends are here, they all have that that shared hatred of Joel because they're all part of the Fireflies. They they're they know the creed. They know what they're fighting for. You know everything that the Fireflies did up to that point. Any violent action whatever any you know questionably moral thing was for the betterment of mankind and then at the very end it all gets ripped away so like they hate joel and they feel this this um they feel abby's pursuit of of joel and getting vengeance because like to them it is right with like we mentioned with maybe the exception of owen who is kind of like you know, maybe we just get on with our lives because it is bad, but like also it's bad to be stuck in the past. Yeah. And like, maybe it's bad to murder people in response to murder. (laughs) But, you know, after Owen um, is killed, after Yara is killed and Abby takes on, you know, Lev as, as her younger brother. Right. We, we start to see that she also has this thing that's worth holding on to, this person that is uh, worth surviving for. Yeah. And so, you know, we see that Lev has this profound impact on, on Abby. After Abby finds out that Ellie killed Owen and Mel and she comes to the theater to enact her revenge, she kills Jesse. Uh, she shoots Tommy and injures him and is yeah. is getting ready to kill Dina even after uh, Ellie was like, she's pregnant, don't do right, that. Right. Lev is, is literally just like, hey, Abby, no. 
don't do that. Right. Like that's, that's, you know, we, we did not come here for that. Don't right. do stuff like that. And, and Abby listens, like it calms, it calms her down. Like Lev really has taken on, on that like kind of moral compass in a way that even like Owen couldn't. Oh, totally. Yeah. And again, in that moment, he stops Abby from killing Dina, but you get a sense as they travel together. And when you finally, as Ellie cut them down from the uh, pillars, you get a sense that Abby's priorities have shifted because of Lev and because of this time with Lev. Abby's priorities have shifted away from this sort of single targeted goal of, you know, get revenge and, and, and kill whoever I need to kill to protect this young man, protect this young boy from the world and make sure that he has a chance to kind of survive to that next day. Um, yeah. Abby is absolutely kind of calmed down, opened up, and again, has kind of started to move forward in the same way, in, in, in so much the same way that Joel did after five years of living in Jackson with Ellie. Yeah, before they before they got captured, like right around the the time when they first inter, uh, introduced the rattlesnakes, she was very like off guard for what we're used to earlier on in the game. You know, right? Yeah, they kind of just found what they were looking for and walked right into danger. She she like says, <laughs> "This blew my mind." On a radio, she's like giving her name and location. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, that's that's not the move of the first Abby we meet, right? Like, that's not the move of younger Abby. This is definitely, you know, she's in a place now where she's a little bit more trusting. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And, you know, you know, when we, when we look at the two of them, Abby and Joel together, they both struggled with surviving, like, after great loss. And they both really lived that... Um, kind of that closed off lifestyle like joel would always say every time someone was like we're lucky it was like luck is gonna run out right like they were pretty much living with no concern of recovering from their past traumas it was just like we're living to the end right they were both kind of you know super reactive to to like what life was throwing at them at a time before you know they they found this like you know surrogate daughter surrogate brother right right i mean that that's what i was going to say is it's this like if we were to condense it down it is that being purely reactive to just the immediacy of conditions we are going to be hunters because that's the simplest way to get to tomorrow without really considering what does three months from now look like what does a year from now look like am i going to be doing this in 10 years that's not even part of the question. You're just <laughs> reacting to what's happening in front of you. And it's the same for Abby. Like, what is what does this look like for you at the end of this, Abby? Like, are you still going to be hitting that bench press when you're 55 and you haven't found this guy yet? Like, so, you know, it is this reactivity that, I mean, it's getting them from day to day, but is it really life? And I did want to point out here, one of the comparisons that I hadn't really ever made before, but... I found myself making as we were kind of preparing this episode is Tommy and Owen. Uh, you know, I never, I don't think I've heard them mentioned in the same sentence before, but they both witness the kind of violent drives of their respective company, right? One, a brother and one, a lover. And they 
both basically decide to move past it, right? Like Tommy starts his little damn community and Owen is like, fuck this, I'm getting on a boat and I'm leaving. So they make this decision, you know, to, to move on and coincidentally, they both die. I mean, technically Tom, Tommy survives, but you know, at the end of the game, we see that he is a shell of the human he was before you know his wife left him he's blind he can't shoot his sniper rifle anymore and he's just hatred you know yeah so you know bringing it back to abby and joel right they're committed to causes that don't really provide personal fulfillment but are kind of means to survival and joel people and fighting cults (laughs) exactly it's crazy (laughs) Joel commits himself to kind of hunting and smuggling and killing people he doesn't have to just because they had things he needed. And then you compare that to him trading for coffee, and it's a very different vibe. You know, like young Joel, you just murder them. Take the coffee. Why? Why Why save them? Doesn't matter. Eventually, he's like trading an embarrassing amount of his personal belongings for coffee. It's very different. You know, Abby, on the other hand, uh, you know, she dedicated herself to the w the wlf's whole war against the seraphites yeah like she even uh you know justified like the murders of children like when they were you have that that mission where you're scouting something um and they're they're having the conversation of like oh yeah you know there was once a truce um but the truce got messed up because some wlf soldiers shot some seraphite kids and she was like well you know they probably shouldn't have been doing that she like totally dived into a cause that right. was um basically everything that the the fireflies stood against right she was just so focused on um getting to that point where she was able she had the resources and the means to go and find Joel um right. you know she even she even tried to convince Owen to return to the WLF after they sent her after him right because he killed a WLF soldier like she she tried to bring him back he was like I'm AWOL like I he like I know what this is I'm also a soldier she doesn't understand how he's tired of doing this right. having gone from the fireflies and seen everybody die for a cause that didn't end up mattering to being on the WLF and like killing old people and you know you're killing warriors but sometimes the people you're fighting are are old people they're really young children like he's fighting another man's war just right, like he was right. before and he's just ready to move on which is a totally understandable feeling when you don't want to be a soldier your entire life but she's yeah. still critical of him for giving up right eventually like she finds lev and right. they work together and like she really starts to calm down and i think she under she starts to maybe understand that the thing that that owen was telling her when he was in the boat Again, like Ellie did for Joel, it helps Lev and the lessons she learns from Lev. And Owen had already done this. It's breaking from that reactivity, right? Like, it is understanding, I will fight if my immediate circumstances require that I do so for my survival. But I'm not going to let that reactivity be my sole driving force. And Owen's like, yo, 
we don't care about the WLF. Like, why are you indoctrinated? And she, she, right. she's deaf to that. But it's just like with Joel and Ellie, Lev and her time with Lev really gives her that opportunity to say like, okay, yeah, I mean, I was surviving day to day, but my humanity, like my, any sense of, of what is right and wrong was utterly awash or was just lost in the storm, you know? Again, complacency with a system that was murdering children who hadn't yet even taken up weapons against, you know, it's, it's tough. You, you really, they, you get a clear sense that Abby, as well as Joel for those broken watch years, we'll call them, uh, they really lose their sense of humanity and inevitably then they also lose all of the people that matter to them. We've talked then about Joel and Abby's reactivity and how this kind of feeds into this cycle of violence. Um, so, so let's talk about that cycle of violence because this really is the heart of the game. Really, we see how Joel's actions in The Last of Us 1 kind of renew the cycle of violence in some ways. And co coincidentally then, Abby's as well, right? And we see how these two characters keep the wheel spinning, right? Joel kills Jerry Anderson, and this, you know, dismantles the fireflies. And for a lot of people, including all of Abby's friends and Abby, really like calls into question all of the horrible shit they've been doing. Well, Joel kills Jerry Anderson and calls all of that into question, which, of course, has its ramifications. Abby Anderson kills Joel with, with a golf club. It ultimately ends up costing her pretty much all actually all of her friends in, yeah, in the process <laughs> yeah and as we look at these kind of two killings right abby anderson killing joel miller and joel miller killing uh, jerry anderson the, <laughs> the the kind of common thread here and the, the thing that i really wanted to draw attention to is that in that moment of killing that person neither of them really stopped to recognize the long-term impact of their actions like joel didn't stop to say, you know, maybe I should spare one of the last neurosurgeons alive in humanity. Like, maybe I can just save Ellie and not kill this dude. And similarly, Abby didn't stop and go, you know what, maybe he put that behind him and now he's doing good. Like, neither of them considered those options because neither of them really took the time to get to know the person they're killing, which in a post-CBI world, we can't really fault them for that. You're not going to like, okay, okay, before I murder you, uh, tell me a little bit about you. Like, what motivates you? What's your, like, top 10 bucket list? It's not going to happen. But there is this similarity in these killings where, you know, Joel feels utterly justified. He's killing a man who wants to kill Ellie for no reason. And... Yep. Similarly, Abby feels utterly justified. She's killing a man who murdered her dad and also potentially doomed all of humanity. Like, totally justified. But both of them are setting into motion these, like, ripples in the pond that just result in so much violence and so much death, you know? So, and you know, as we kind of wrap up, we may not have convinced you <laughs> that Joel and Abby are... <laughs> more similar than say abby and ellie but you know that that's kind of something to think about and really looking at abby anderson as a character 
I, I think certainly there was more there than many of us initially would have said at the end of the game and having beaten the game. So kind of as we wrap up, uh, Lawrence, what are kind of your final thoughts about all this? I think, you know, I think I honestly would put an Abby and Joel, the Abby and Joel comparison works for me because, you know, they were both, they both started out as, you know, victims of uh, circumstance and they were affected by great trauma. You know, you have Joel shut down when Sarah was killed by a soldier and then he just went on to live a dark life. Abby lived a full life as a child and probably saw a lot of things because we know that the Fireflies, you know, did morally questionable things. And I mean, even at their their climax, they were ready to, you know, justify killing a, a child to save humanity. Right. But I think ultimately what defines or what a good what makes this comparison work for me and what defines Abby and Joel is just, you know, the lives that they touched. Um, yeah, you know, both negatively and positively, I think that that puts them closer together. Like Ellie, pretty much at the end of the game, was alone. She pushed everybody away. Joel and and Abby were able to at least kind of break from their shells long enough to influence people. Like Abby still has Lev, and they've fostered a great relationship and are moving forward and it's helped her break this cycle of violence and, and find something to that like to move forward for where same and same thing with Joel like you know he was a gristled old smuggling bastard and now he's <laughs> you know he took on has this like surrogate child who will always remember him for the better parts right Again, going into this episode, thinking about this, like, okay, if I told you, here's a character, they lose a loved one to a seemingly senseless act of violence. They forge their way through violence to this kind of end goal, whether that's just surviving or or whatever, finding life, meaning, you know, finding happiness and finding a spark of joy through adopted family and then through that connection, deciding to leave violence behind, well, I've kind of described both Joel and Abby, right? Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. And check out our YouTube page for bonus videos and highlights. Thanks for listening. and We'll catch you next time.